Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this week's Keeping an Eye on the Geopolitical Ball with me, as always, uh, Jamie Shea, Senior Fellow at Friends of uh, Europe. Well, like many people uh, in Europe, I've been a bit depressed of late about the state of democracy uh, within the uh, EU. Uh, despite their often miserable performance in power, the populist parties continue to do well in elections. Some of them even get elected, uh, like uh, Robert uh, Fizo and his uh, smear party in uh, Slovakia uh, just a, a couple of days ago. Others, like the Alternativa für Deutschland, seem to be making a comeback, at least based on the uh, state uh, elections in Germany, in Hessen and Bavaria, uh, just a, a few days ago. Uh, we saw recently uh, the triumph of President Erdogan in the Turkish elections, despite many predictions that this time round, the bad state of the Turkish economy and the uh, strength of the opposition, uh, six parties united against him, uh, would put an end to his rule. It didn't happen. Erdogan decisively won the uh, elections. Uh, but occasionally there is a piece of good news which suggests that populists are not invincible, their hold on power can be broken, uh, and indeed democracy is often healthier in its fundamentals than we uh, have thought. Uh, and certainly this is the case with the elections in Poland, uh, which took place uh, last uh, Sunday, and which saw the uh, opposition, at least in terms of the three parties that formed that opposition, Civica uh, uh, coalition, Third Way and New Left, uh, winning a majority of the votes and uh, a majority, if all goes according to plan, of 248 seats in the Senate or, or the Polish uh, uh, Parliament. Now, many people had predicted that it would be nearly impossible uh, for Civic Coalition and its allies to win an election in Poland, because as in other parts of the world, like Hungary or Turkey, we were facing a situation where the populist ruling party called Law and Justice was up for its third election victory. And people often think that if a party can win three terms in power, that means a decade going on for 15 years, it's got plenty of time to basically shape the playing field of politics to make sure that it always stays is in power. Uh, you know the kind of things I'm talking about. You're cramming the Supreme Court or other courts uh, with party loyalists that will always decide in your favour, uh, putting your people uh, in the civil service, uh, in, in education, uh, in the industry. Uh, this was definitely the case with law and justice in Poland, because Poland, unlike many EU countries, still has many of-state companies, also getting control of the media. Uh, in Poland, for instance, TVP, the, the main state television, has really been acting as a kind of party political broadcaster for law and justice in uh, recent years. Uh, it's given the opposition leaders only 10% of the access uh, that he gives to government spokesmen, according to surveys and reporters without frontiers, has now uh, concluded that Poland is 58th uh, in the world rankings for press freedom, where, where, whether, whereas excuse me, it was in uh, 18th position back in 2015 when law and justice uh, gained power. Law and justice has also uh, changed the electoral map of Poland, giving more power uh, in redistricting parliamentary seats to the rural areas where it has more support among its conservative voters. It, it showered those uh, uh, loyalist conservative voters with all kinds of uh, welfare benefits like pensions and, and child 
uh, allowances, um, and, and uh, it has kept up a steady campaign uh, against what it calls the liberal cosmopolitan elites in the city that tend to support the opposition, also who clamping down on abortion rights for women. Uh, a law passed in 2021 uh, makes Poland the most restrict restrictive country in Europe uh, when it comes to abortion rights, and the LGBTQ community has not fared much better either, often being accused of being an alien uh, group, undermining the traditional elements of Polish society. Law and justice, of course, has also uh, waged an ongoing uh, battle with the EU uh, over the rule of law in Poland, particularly the uh, uh, the lack of an independent judiciary and it, it, uh, issues like the admitting uh, uh, its fair share uh, of migrants in the EU to take some of the pressure uh, off uh, countries like uh, Greece and uh, uh, Italy. So given the way in which law and justice has rigged the system in recent years, uh, it seemed almost impossible for the opposition to win. But one, it has. Donald Tusk, uh, the former uh, Prime Minister of Poland, uh, also President of the EU Council, leading civic coalition, scored 31% of the vote. Uh, and his other allies, uh, uh, respectively, uh, the um, Third Way got 14% and the New Left just under 9% uh, of the vote. Now, uh, Law and Justice still emerged with 35% of the largest party, and, and therefore the President of Poland, Duda, will allow it to start trying to form a coalition first. But it seems unlikely uh, that, with the exception of the very right-wing Confederation Party, any of the other parties will want to work with it. So after a period, perhaps of delay, as the... Uh, Law and justice supporters in the Supreme Court maybe try to hold up the election certification. But after uh, a period, uh, the uh, pro-Europe, uh, uh, liberally minded opposition should take power. Now, this has set me thinking, how did they manage to win when the dice were, were rolled uh, against them? Well, what lessons here could there be for other uh, 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 pro-Europe, uh, uh, democratic parties in Europe, also facing the challenge of authoritarian uh, populists in power? Well, I think there are five things that deserve to be said. Number one, the opposition, or based on a number of parties, was united and behind a leader. That leader, Tusk, having been a former prime minister, uh, also having been a major international figure, couldn't be accused of being a, a lightweight or a loser, for example, in the way that the uh, leader of the Turkish opposition uh, during the Turkish elections was accused by Erdogan of being precisely that. The opposition remained united. It didn't fight against itself. Again, in contrast to Turkey, where uh, one party, the good party, withdrew from the coalition and came back in. Uh, and the Turkish opposition failed to reach out to a pro-Kurdish party, thereby depriving itself of a good percentage of the vote. So lesson number one is have a united opposition behind a convincing leader who can take on the populists. Admittedly, in Poland, this was easier than in places like Hungary with Viktor Orban or Turkey with 
Raczek uh, Erdogan, who, uh, of course, are charismatic leaders in power. In Poland, the leader of law and justice, Jaroslaw Kaczynski, is not elected, stays behind the scenes, and is a very uncharismatic figure. But united opposition first. Secondly, get out the vote. 74% uh, of people in, vo in Poland voted last Sunday, the highest level since the end of communism in 1989, when it was 65%, including many young people. Uh, Donald Tusk managed to convince them that this was a make or break election, uh, not just a normal poll, in which the future of Poland, the future of the soul of Polish democracy, was at, at stake. Uh, and uh, many young people queued up until three o'clock in the morning outside polling stations, which had to remain open uh, to be able to process uh, all of the uh, uh, voters. Uh, contrast that, for example, with the referendum on the EU back in 2016 in my country, the United Kingdom, uh, when many people who were pro-EU uh, were not mobilised to vote, thought that the whole thing was basically a fait accompli and they didn't need to vote and stayed in their beds rather than went to the polling stations. Uh, it's not good in any democracy where a minority of views wins over a majority of uh, uh, people simply because the minority is better uh, able to mobilise its uh, supporters. Number three is have access to the media. Um, although, as I've said earlier, the state TV in Poland, uh, TVP, is heavily controlled by the government. Fortunately, there are private stations like TVN, run by the Warner Discovery uh, Channel, uh, which uh, are also nationwide, cut through to the average voter, and are influential. There are still independent newspapers. Uh, there's also the popular Polsat TV, where there is still a vibrant media uh, open to the opposition. Uh, then the opposition could successfully get its views across, whereas authoritarian regimes often try to push it out uh, to uh, uh, social media uh, only. We saw in the United States, too, the crucial role of the independent media in pushing back against Trump's accusations back in 2020 that the election uh, had uh, been stolen. The next lesson is be careful about your party platform. You beat the populists not by opposing all of their ideas, but by co-opting some of them. And the campaign of civic platform a civic coalition in Poland and Tusk was very clever. They uh, opposed the government on human rights issues, uh, European values, LGBTQ rights, abortion rights, freedom of the media. But on economic issues, they embraced much of the social spending and welfare reforms of, of law and justice. This meant that for the average working class poll, it was safe to vote for law and justice without fear of losing too many uh, benefits. So uh, uh, something for everybody, rather than being seen to be only addressing elite issues of no concern to the population, was certainly the winning uh, strategy uh, here. The next and final lesson is use outside pressure. Uh, often uh, in authoritarian populist countries, uh, Brussels is seen as the enemy. It's scapegoated. Look at Hungary under Viktor Orban. And it's used to whip up popular uh, support against the encroachments upon of, of Brussels. But in Poland, it worked the other way around. 
Polish voters were sick and tired of a government which was systematically opposed to Brussels, thereby denying Poland of billions of euros of aid under the EU post-COVID recovery program uh, to invest in green technology, infrastructure uh, and the like. And eventually the belief that Poland would be sanctioned by the EU under Article 9 of the Lisbon Treaty for 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 example, not uh, allowing the judiciary to be independent, persuaded many voters that it was time to sort of bury the hatchet. Uh, and Donald Tusk was the, precisely the person to do this and release all of those EU funds. So out, consistent outside pressure, Europe taking its values seriously, defending them, rather than what some people say, alienating voters in its member states, pers persuades those voters to take those values seriously. So... Dear listeners, uh, I come out of this with the optimistic conclusion that although Poland is Poland, uh, and of course there are conditions specific to that country, there are lessons in the election that show that nothing is inevitable in politics as in life, uh, and that good democratic oppositions, providing they organize well, have good leaders, proper platforms, uh, are able to cut through to the average vote access to the media uh, and can use outside pressure are able to restore countries to a healthy democratic state. Of course, I conclude by saying that in the fullness of time, uh, even the civic coalition will probably become tired, probably get involved in scandals, do corrupt things, and probably in five years' time or later, Polish voters will decide it's time to turn the rascals out. But that is in the nature of democracy. That's how it should be. But for the time being, let us congratulate Donald Tusk on a good strategy uh, and wish him all success as he returns to power in Poland. Thank you for listening today. Look forward to engaging with you very soon.